It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, August 17th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka Fine Arts Camp is withdrawing its federal immigration lawsuit after immigration officials approved the visa needed for its technical theater director. As reported by the Alaska Beacon, attorney Nicholas Alana filed a request for voluntary dismissal Wednesday, less than a month after he filed suit on behalf of the camp, a 50-year-old institution that conducts courses on the grounds of the former Sheldon Jackson College. Things are back again to where they should be, he said by phone on Friday. The lawsuit involved the camp's theater manager, who is in charge of the Sitka School District's multi-million dollar performing arts center. He needed a visa to continue working in Sitka, but the federal government initially determined that the theater manager's skills don't meet the standard for an H-1B visa given to people who have special technical skills. Sitka Fine Arts Camp sued, appealing that decision, and it was reversed quickly. H-1B lawsuits are relatively uncommon in Alaska. They're more common in the lower 48, where high-tech companies frequently seek international employees. I think the assistant U.S. attorney did something magical because they didn't even respond or answer to the lawsuit, Olana said, but the case got reopened. Olana said the Sitka Fine Arts Camp employee is already back on the job. The Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium is closing its home health department in Sitka at the end of September. While the organization maintains that the closure is largely an administrative move and that outpatient services and in-home care should be unaffected, some Sitkins are concerned that both the expense and quality of -of end-of-life care will change dramatically. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Sorry, I was just going to turn the light on because it's so dark out. It is so dark out. Cindy Littman's home smells like warm flour and butter. She's just pulled a few trays of cookies out of the oven. Her three cats lounge in a living room filled with books and art. This is the home she and her late husband, Tony, shared in his final years. Tony was diagnosed with atypical Parkinson's disease in 2014. At the time, they were living in a two-story home in Sitka. He got to the point where he couldn't navigate the stairs in our house, and our bedrooms and full bath were upstairs, and it was a pretty small lot, and we weren't really able to make the changes we would need to make the house accessible. They decided to move to Olympia, Washington, to be near family and easier access to the specialized care Tony needed. And while they had better access to neurologists and cardiologists, Littman says the experience taught her just how fragmented healthcare in America is. What was striking to me was that there was no coordination of care between those different doctors. So he would see one person and they would have no idea what the other uh, health providers were doing. And even though the healthcare was, I'm sure, considered good, it felt very alienating. And they missed Sitka, the community that had been their home for over a decade. Nine months later, friends back home were selling a house that would accommodate Tony's changing mobility. Even though they worried that there were no practitioners specializing in Parkinson's in Sitka, they jumped on the opportunity and moved back. That's when they learned about what was then Sitka Community Hospital's home health program. It was my first experience really with coordinated care. So they were much more in tune 
to his situation than his primary care physician. If it seemed like his medicine needed tweaking or if he needed another kind of therapy, they were right on top of it. And these changes happened very frequently as his situation changed. Tony passed away on Valentine's Day in 2019. Two months later, Sitka Community Hospital was acquired by the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH. Emily Rivas was the first clinical manager for SEARCH's newly created home health department. The point of home health and post-acute care, uh, community-based care, is we bring like a comprehensive team to you. Um, And from an allocation of resources standpoint, there's not a lot of duplication because there's one plan of care and everybody works together on that. And then the communication is pretty um, tight. Like the program at Sitka Community Hospital, Search's home health department provided everything from physical and occupational therapy to skilled nursing and end-of-life care in a home setting for anywhere from a dozen to 25 patients at a time. But this summer, Search announced it would be closing the office. It's an administrative structure that creates some possibilities in terms of care, but also limits some possibilities in terms of care. Dr. Elliot Brule is the chief medical officer at Search. He says it's the home health structure they're getting rid of, but not the service. There's some types of care that people need in a home environment that don't qualify under that type of a program. And then there's um, other kinds of care that we've been providing. There's been a lot of issues that we've been struggling with with um, with that, and we've decided that we're going to close that entity, that, that structure, but that doesn't mean that we're going to stop caring for patients or that we somehow can't provide care to patients. It's just that that's going to change. Brule says search is closing the department mainly due to federal regulations that make operating it challenging and inefficient. He says the regulations are directed at larger cities and larger hospitals with more resources that can more easily sustain full home health programs with separate medical staffs. I would kind of describe it like building a international airport in a location where what you really need is, you know, an airstrip. Brule says Search will continue to provide referral services in the home environment through both its Mountainside Urgent Care Clinic and the hospital's outpatient clinic. And although it's never had a formal hospice program, the home health department has been providing some end-of-life services. Brule says they'll still be able to do that. Right now, they're working through the logistics. We also provide um, really intensive types of -of end-of-life care in the hospital. And I think we're anticipating that we may at times project that care also into our long-term care facility when, when we need to. Our intention is not to... Um, abandon that care or abandon patients or leave patients who need that type of care uh, uh, without access to to those services. It's just we're not going to provide it through this department. Littman says the care her husband received through home health ensured the best quality of life possible, even as his health declined. When I think about even the last few years when he, his mobility was so restricted, he lived a rich life. We had company, um, Christmas with all the grandchildren and the children. The idea that he would be in a skilled nursing home for that time is just, to me, just seems cruel and horrifying. And not to mention expensive. 
Littman says Tony's home health costs were far less than had he lived in a skilled nursing facility, and Medicare covered the bills. Rivas, who left Search in 2020 and now works as a hospice nurse in Oregon, says home health helps create better continuity of care and doesn't think the outcomes for patients can be replicated through outpatient services. She's disappointed that the program she helped establish is going away. In a town of 9,000, like what we put together was much better than nothing. Um, And it would just be really unfortunate to have that integrated. It takes time for people to build trust, especially in a community like Sitka, and to have that now and then have it go away. It's going to be really hard to, you know, to change yet again in such a short period of time. Search's home health has eight staff, both medical and administrative, who were notified about the closure in July. Brule says all will be offered jobs in other departments beginning in October. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. There could be up to five times as many streams in Alaska than previously thought. That's according to a group of scientists and programmers who have spent nearly a decade mapping the state. Lee Benda runs Terrain Works, a company that maps natural landscapes. He says many state and federal agencies rely on the National Hydrography dataset, which charts known waterways. The problem with the data sets is that the mapping accuracy is fair to poor and they lack large numbers of streams and rivers because they were drawing them from photographs and interpreting their location even under thick vegetation. So, Benda's team built new maps based on cutting-edge, high-resolution digital elevation data gathered by aircraft, and that has led to some dramatic discoveries. On North Chichikov Island, west of Juneau, uh, we discovered 518% increase in the channel length of the networks in that island based on the higher-resolution digital data. It was eye-opening to see all the streams that are missing on the current maps. Benda's new maps have already revealed nearly 200,000 miles of new streams across Alaska. That's enough streams to go around the world seven times. And so far, they've only mapped half of the state. Benda says all of this matters for two big reasons. Firstly, fish habitats. Well, if you're going to protect fish habitat, you have to know where the habitat is. And so with the advanced mapping and the discovery of all these what I would call missing streams, There's also missing salmon habitats that are identified as well. And secondly, natural disasters. Floodplains are also mapped at the same time, so that can show you where you're exposed to flooding. And also the small tributaries coming out of the mountains are those that carry the landslide debris and hit homes on the lower gradient ground. Terrain Works is now collaborating with the U.S. Geological Survey to improve mapping in the Yukon Territory and St. Lawrence Island. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.